Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions today. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Been here for 22 and a half years now, and what a blessing it is to serve our precious church. Really, it's better to say what a blessing it is to serve Jesus' precious church, the bride of Christ. We get to be entrusted to serve and care for the bride of Christ. And uh, so excited to see the freshness of ministry and uh, so much going on uh, after the difficult last couple of years. Yes, yes, there's so much challenges, so many challenges and difficulties, but the doors for ministry are wide open. I mean, they're swinging open wide like never before. And we as leaders, men and women of, of God, need to to lay hold of the promises of God and run with the vision that God has given us. And I want to encourage you. That could just be the word for you today. You need to lay a hold of the promises of God and run with the vision that God has given you. And don't look back. Uh, The Bible says, um, you know, when I think of looking back, uh, I think of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm reminded of Paul when he was writing in Philippians chapter 3, In verse 12, he says, Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Let's together press forward in all that God has called us to do. Give me a call. Lines are wide open, 303-690-3000, or the text line is always wide open, 720-336-0897. That is for texting only. I think if uh, you've been listening to the program for a while, you know that. Don't leave a message there. Don't call. We never hear those messages and never answer that line. Only texting. And we do respond to the texts. uh, And we do answer the questions as unto the Lord. uh, And and we encourage you, like this uh, prayer request. My sister was put into a private home after rehab, but still isn't doing well. Um, Maybe had another stroke, getting lots of tests, dehydrated. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for Isabel, who is in great pain, uh, and I pray that you, God, would touch her uh, supernaturally by your Spirit, what what it is that you want to accomplish uh, in her life. And um, I think of Judy as well, uh, who's in a um, care home, um, 
and her her I think of Donna who's recovering after a serious car accident and I think of little Simon laying in a hospital bed um, unable to respond I that's lots of pain God lots of pain and we lift up these precious men and women to you in Jesus name amen amen 303-690-3000 here's an interesting question uh, why is Gabriel always the bad angel in movies? I have no idea. Um, I don't know. However, I know biblically, Gabriel is never a bad angel. He's a messenger of God. He's one of the archangels along with Michael. Uh, and some suggest even uh, Satan himself uh, was an archangel in that realm of authority um, before he rebelled. Uh, but I don't know. That's a good question. Um, since you texted in, uh, text me back why you think is that a, why you even noticed that, or or maybe even call. I've never. I really don't know. I I don't even know. I can't even think of a movie where Gabriel's a bad angel in it. Um, so I don't even have that kind of reference. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Let's come to Colorado for our first call of the day. Nancy in Thornton. Welcome to the program. Uh, yes, I have a question. It's, I'm not sure if I'm asking it right, but okay. I'm wondering how much of the Bible can we assume is meant for us? Obviously, I know all of it, but yes. specifically like Jeremiah 29, 11, everybody takes that as a promise. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. But I know that that was written like in the beginning in the first chapter, it says that it was written to... Um, the elders who were carried away captive, the priests, the yes. prophets, and the people. So it was specifically meant to, written to those people, but can we take that? That is know? a great question. That really is a good question, because the first part of it, I w- you had it already, um, you already connected that. All of the Bible is profitable. Uh, it's all inspired of God and applicable to our lives in various ways. Um, but the nuance of your question is very important because it it's some it's something where we need to handle the Bible correctly, and part of what you're asking is understanding the Scripture contextually. Um, that's very important, and you've you've done a good job of identifying who was speaking, who the audience was was, and what was said. Those are very important elements in understanding. Uh, the meaning, or more more often we would refer to the interpretation of a particular text. And so for this, in Jeremiah 29, uh, exactly what you said, these, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were car- carried captive. So let's, let's uh, dice, dis- dissect this just a little bit, because this is a great example. Uh, you have uh, God speaking through his prophet, Jeremiah. So these are the words of God that represent God's heart, God's character, God's care for an audience. The audience are his elders, those that have been carried away captive, those that uh, you can say in a very generic sense, I mean, in a particular sense, a group of people that were overtaken by Babylon, a group of God worshipers that were carried away in Babylon uh, and now are in captivity and so he gives them in verse 10, 70 years are completed in Babylon. Uh, I'll visit you, perform my good word towards you, and cause you to return to this place. Uh, and then to, to substantiate that, 
that God will deliver them. And he gave them a time frame that he says, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. And so the immediate application of this, uh, the only true interpretation is this statement refers to the elders that were taken captive in Babylon. And I used a lot of words to explain exactly what you already said, right? But I'm going somewhere. Now, now that we have the interpretation, which there's only one, there's not two, there's not three. Uh, The interpretation of this passage is it's not written to 21st century believers in Colorado. Um, So the interpretation of this text is not for you and me in Colorado. However, from the interpretation and understanding what the text says, we then take the word of God and we can apply it. And so while this verse doesn't, isn't the interpretation of this verse doesn't really connect with you and me immediately, the application of it certainly can. And we can say this, um, God, does God still uh, love people that follow him? And the answer is yes. Um, Does God have, was the exclusivity of these thoughts only for the uh, elders in Babylon or for all time does God have thoughts toward his followers? Um, Are God's thoughts toward his followers of peace? Are they not of evil today in the 21st century? And of course, those questions are yes, yes, and yes. I would even say this is an applicable passage for you and me, even more so in Christ, because we have all the promises of God are yes and amen. All the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen, but even more so in the new covenant. So you have two ways to handle this text. Number one, it's to the original audience, and then number two, to the application. Now let's test that application. Um, Does God's heart and his thoughts toward those that hate him, are they the same? I have thoughts toward, um, I know the thoughts I think toward you, Um, Well, we already know that you are those that are following him. So you can't take this verse and apply it to unbelievers. It doesn't apply to unbelievers. It applies to followers of God. So there's one interpretation, but from that interpretation, we can come up with a lot of different applications that would make it apply uh, and make it uh, an encouraging because the character and nature of God doesn't change. And he loves today. He's proven uh, in the new covenant that he loves believers and followers today. Um, in greater ways, just like Paul said, how much more in Christ? Does that help at all? It does, it does. So I think many people, and I got a couple of other things, like many people skip the step that you and I just took and automatically just say, oh, it's for everybody. And they could be 50-50, right? They could be 50-50 on that. It's a possibility they're right or wrong. But when you do the work, then you can be confident that the application is true. Um, but, you know, some you, you have a, a, sis, a sister in the Lord that has a brother that isn't walking with the Lord. He was rebelling. He's a, uh, he doesn't want anything to do with God. She couldn't take this verse and say, look, God has thoughts towards you that are good and not evil. No, actually, he doesn't. That's not what it says. This was for followers of him. These were people in captivity. Um, these were people that were experiencing his judgment, and he was sending an encouragement to him today. And um, and I think that in an applicational sense, we, we definitely can um, take encouragement that God has great thoughts toward us in Christ. Okay. 
Well, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I have a question for you. Have you ever been introduced to the inductive Bible study method? I, I don't think so. The inductive Bible study method is what we kind of did super briefly right now. It's how we've all been trained as Calvary Chapel pastors. And you, you basically make observations of the text. Then you ask key questions like we did to come to the, the one true interpretation. And then when you have the one true interpretation, you can make applications. And there's a simple introductory book on this if it's something that interests you, because I think it would. I, th- I think the more you learn how to handle the Bible, the more confident you are. Um, Skip Heitzig wrote a book called uh, How to Study the Bible and Enjoy It. How to Study the Bible and Enjoy It. And I think you would really be blessed uh, by this his overview. It's really an overview of the process of handling the scriptures using that method. Um, and it would be worth okay. your time. It's real super small. You could read it in a day. Skip Heitzig. Skip Heitzig. H-E-I-T-Z-I-G. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Okay. Bless you. Bless. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. I love that question. I think that we, the better and the better that we can handle the Bible, the more confidence we'll have and the more accuracy we'll have and the more uh, we'll be walking in the power of God because God always blesses his word. And we can't skip to application until we get to interpretation. And every scripture has an audience, has an author, has a time frame, has a language, has a literary style, has a, a socio, um, a sociological background, you know, a, 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 a the environment that it was written to, the time it was written to, the city, the people. And if you skip all over that, then you'll, you know, like, like a lot of people say, you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. Uh, but we don't want that. Um, we don't want that. All right, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Great question here. What does it mean when we die that we are dead? But I've heard Ed Taylor say that the last breath on earth is the very next breath in paradise. That's a really good question because I think what it, what death is describing is the, the definition of death. And, and there are two types of death. There is spiritual death and there is physical death. And you may be surprised by the definition. The definition of death uh, in in that context could be defined with one word, and that's separation. So to to experience physical death would be to experience the separation of the soul and the spirit from the body. And what we see in a funeral home or at a memorial service is exactly that. It is a body that is lifeless and soulless because it's experienced death, the separation of the body and the soul from the body, or the spirit and the soul from the body. When it comes to spiritual death, separation also applies because spiritual death is the eternal separation of the spirit and the soul and the new body from God. Uh, And it is a lifeless experience eternally separated from God. And when we use language like this, uh, it is true that we are eternal beings. Um, However, 
in our eternality, we do experience loss. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden, the minute they, he, they were warned that the minute that they ate of the forbidden fruit, they would die. And remember, they ate of it and kept living physically, but they died spiritually because sin entered in. Great question. I'm glad you asked it. 303-690-3000. I want to give a shout out to everyone listening on Hope FM and Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio. You're listening to this one week delayed. So what that means, you can call the show, talk to us live. Our audience on Grace FM and the Radio by Grace Network hears it live. Um, but you get to tune in the following week and hear it on your radio station. And also, I want to give a shout out to all our friends on the Grace FM Network, on the Radio by Grace Network around the country. We're grateful to have you as friends, to be a small part of your life. All right, let's go back to, uh, or come back to Colorado. Um, Dave, welcome to the program. Blessings. How are you? I'm a member of your church online, you know, with version and all. Fantastic. Yeah, you're a wonderful teacher. I'm very impressed with your, your work in the Lord. Thank you very much. Now, I went to a Bible college for three years through the mail correspondence course, and it's from correspondence from the Bible college. Okay. If you know anybody that wants a degree in the Bible, they've got 66-book course that you take with exams, and when you finish, you get a degree in the Bible through prison ministry. Amazing. I don't know much about it, but what do you have a question, my brother? Oh, yeah. I was calling about the Proverbs 31 woman. Okay. Now, one thing, the Emmaus app on the smartphone has the whole course for free. So if anybody wants to take the Emmaus app on the smartphone. Yeah, but anyways. Don't don't use the the program to promote that because we don't know anything about it. So we don't support it. So please don't do that, okay? Thank That's you. All. That's all right. Do you have a question? Thirty-one woman, a wife of noble character. Yes. How, how do we find such a jewel? How do you find a, such a jewel? Like, are you, how no, do you find a wife? How do you find such a jewel, a wife with noble character, in the Word of the Lord? You know. Uh, are you asking how you find a wife? No, I already have a female partner. Okay. And it's just the character is, you know, needing to be improved. So okay. we were praying on how to develop the Proverbs 31 woman. Yeah, you know, the, the character traits that God desires in us, uh, men and women, husband and wife, friends, right. the, high, the those character traits are developed by God himself. They come by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Um, the work of God working in us, right, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And the the pathway of developing our character is all throughout the scriptures. And, and I believe it starts very simply. I believe as we grow in godly character, we do so by, number one, reading our Bible and praying every day, that we have a, we're developing our relationship uh, with the Lord. Uh, it's it's vital that if we're going to live in the way that God desires, um, then we're going to uh, 
have a relationship with him that would lead us and guide us in learning what God's will for us, being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And, and so the Bible is filled with behaviors and directions and uh, instructions and corrections uh, that will help us develop that character. And then when God says to do something, we do it. When God says to stop something, we stop it. Uh, and I think in a marriage relationship, developing the noble character of a wife, um, then, then a wife would then find herself living out the godly role that she is, as, first of all, as a woman of God, because she is a sister, a daughter, a woman of God first, and then a wife second. And I did great. I did a, quite a few studies in a series we did here on the family matters, I called it. And we did two studies for wives and two studies for husbands uh, that would greatly help. Um, there's great resources, too. There's a wonderful book that we recommend here uh, that is called Married and How to Stay That Way. And it helps a husband develop a character of a husband. And it helps a wife develop the character of, of, of a wife. Uh, and so I appreciate you calling. And just want to let you guys know they're listening in other stations that uh, we do not promote uh, the Bible college he's mentioning. We don't know anything about it. Uh, and and it, just a general reminder uh, for this radio broadcast, we uh, we don't promote things here that we don't know. Um, and we, we don't use the opportunity to talk about things that may have blessed you in some way, but because we don't know them or have a relationship with them, we cannot in any way endorse them. And I just want to be clear about that. That If you hear someone on a call endorse something, um, it's not from us. And um, so there you go. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Uh, here is a great question. Uh, a couple things. First of all, can Satan hear our prayers? Yes. Satan in the demonic realm can hear our prayers if we speak them out loud. Satan does not hear anything that's in our head, uh, anything that is in our minds. He can't get inside of us. The devil can't dwell a believer, uh, and so he doesn't know things that are in our minds. But if we say something, it's fair game. Just like the person standing next to you could hear it, the devil, being a real person, can hear it as well. Um, and he is a studier. Uh, and again, remember, the devil can only be in one place at one time. Uh, so the hassling that you face is probably not the devil at all. He's probably more busy going after people with greater, um, you know, like Billy Graham. Well, Billy Graham's in the presence of the Lord now, but maybe Franklin Graham or people that that um, have a greater influence of some sort. But you and I, we probably get, you know, some straggling demon here and there. But nevertheless, the battle is real, isn't it? Uh, and here you are uh, also saying that you're struggling with alcohol and, and I want to pray for you because, you know, alcohol is, I just wrote an article today uh, because I, I taught on it last night with Noah and I, the article is, is drinking alcohol a sin? And I think you should read it. So if you're listening right now and you want the answer to that question, uh, I would email me, I'll send you the link uh, or go to edtaylor.org uh, and just click it. It's today's article. And you may be surprised by my answer. 
but I tell you, it's thoroughly biblical and trustworthy. And like with Jay, uh, who's texting right now, if you asked him, if you asked him, I think he would say that he regrets that he wish he never had taken the first drink. And, um, you know, it just stinks. So, Father, I pray for Jay in this battle with alcohol. It is a bondage and a stronghold, and I pray against the works of the enemy against him. I pray that you would release him from the stronghold and that he would live in his identity in you, victorious and strong, that he would relish and celebrate this sober, sober days, that he might long for sobriety, that he might hate sin and hate alcohol, and that when he turns to alcohol, whether it comforts or encourages or numbs him, that he might learn rather to turn to something that numbs him, that he would turn to you, Lord, and trust you through the pain and trust you through the fear and trust you through the anger and all the other emotions that are consistent with alcohol. And so I just pray for him, Lord. It's a battle. But I also pray into him sobriety. I pray that in Jesus' name. I pray into him the power of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage him, God, by testimony after testimony of men and women who have sobered up and stayed that way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I taught, I, I really do think you should get the message last night. It came off a little stronger uh, than I thought. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean every word of it. And I reread, I re listened to it today uh, and reread a transcript of it. Um, to say, you know, because you sometimes as pastors will go and go, whoa, what happened last night? And I think I could say what happened last night in our Bible study was an anointing of the Holy Spirit to give a strong word about drinking. And now I put it in written form on my website, edtaylor.org. If you want a quick link to it, I will send you that link. It's an article and the Bible study and verses uh, throughout the scriptures that speak about wine, drinking, alcohol, drunkenness, uh, and the like. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, coming up real quick on the on the first half break, so call me, fill up the phone lines for the second half. I'd love to take your call. Um, here's a question real quick that says, can Christians declare and decree things to happen in Jesus' name? No. That's a false teaching. Or do they need to pray for it? Yes, that's a good teaching. When we pray, we don't boss God around. We don't tell him what to do. We don't speak things into existence. Um, and I'm not saying this to you in particular, so no, there's no offense. I'm saying it in general and primarily to the false teachers. That's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Don't believe it. No, you cannot declare anything and make it happen. You are not God. I am not God. We are humans indwelt by the Holy Spirit. However, when we pray according to God's will and we ask things that line up with his will, God does them. Now, that's amazing. Think about that. That is amazing. It, we are involved in the supernatural. Um, so neat. 303-690-3000. We're coming up on the break, so... Um, keep calling. We'll get to you right after the break. My name is Ed Taylor, pastor here at Calvary Church. Again, I did a Bible study last night on Noah getting out of the ark, Genesis chapter 9, but we spent a good portion of our time 
talking about alcohol. And I asked the question, is it a sin to drink alcohol? And if you've ever wondered about that or thought about that or, you know, have your own opinion of that, I'll give you mine. Biblically, it's a biblical opinion. Uh, and, and if it causes you to respond or interact with it, fantastic. I'd love to hear anything that you would have to say. So I titled it, Is Drinking Alcohol a Sin? And I answer that question and elaborate on it. So you can just email me, uh, edit at taylor.org or text me, and I will respond with the link uh, and you can interact. And I just think, man, it's these are the last days. And we need to live in such a way where we are sober-minded. Sober-minded. So you hear the music. Uh, give us a couple minutes to stretch. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back everyone to the second half of today's program. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Thousand, taking your calls and your questions, knowing uh, that God meets us right here using media. Isn't that amazing? Radio. Radio is um, such a powerful medium uh, for the work of God. And we're grateful to provide Grace FM up and down the front range here in Colorado, Nebraska, Wyoming. And then, of course, we're grateful to be a part of the Radio by Grace Network, which is far much larger than ours. Shout out to all you guys. Cope FM is much bigger than ours. Shout out to you guys. Truth FM, uh, they are they have more stations than we do and cover a much more uh, larger uh, area. Um, bless you guys listening to Truth FM. And of course, um, our friends in Boise, uh, God bless you on Higher Rock Radio. And we're just grateful to partner together. And together... All the stations together, you know, cover millions and millions of people. It's unbelievable. Um, Unbelievable. What an honor. Let's get back to the phone lines. We're going to head over to uh, New Jersey. Ronald, welcome to the program. Hi, uh, Pastor Ed. Hi. Good to hear from you. Hi. Great. You're on the air. Yeah, so so my my question is we lost our our dog. It passed away this Friday um, about 10 o'clock in the morning. And uh, she was sick for a while, and uh, she was, you know, we didn't have any, my wife and I don't have any children. She was, she's kind of, she was our child, basically, with fur, our child with, with white fur. So um, I've been looking and doing some research about if your pets go to heaven, and I'm kind of getting two different messages. Uh, sure. Some say that uh, they don't go to heaven because they don't have the same soul is humans. I'm just Correct. kind of confused and just trying to get some clarity on it. Um, and if you could help me out. Yeah, I think that as as we look to a question like this, we have to look at what the evidence is in the scriptures. Um, and there's real no real indication that um, animals that lived once on the earth and died end up with an eternal existence. Um, the Bible actually teaches um the opposite of that, that when an animal dies, it ceases to exist, unlike humans who have an eternal soul. Um, So 
you know the the, the Bible it, the Bible really does make a distinction between animals and humans, and that He's given us animals as pets and gifts and to enjoy, but there's real no real biblical indication that they will spend any time in eternity. Uh, that once their life is over, um, we've enjoyed them, and that then that's the end of it. <clears throat> Yeah, but then there's the statement where the the lamb will play with the lion. Sure, and the that's in the millennial you know, kingdom, that. and so there will be animals in eternity. There's no doubt about that, um, especially in the millennial period on the new heaven on the new earth. There would definitely be animals for sure. But in the question of our animals, you know, because we had a special um, dog, our family did Molly, and just the sweetest dog. And I didn't really think. You know, we enjoyed her as a pet, and we enjoyed her time. She was a very fun dog. Uh, she wasn't very obedient. Uh, she she didn't do much, but we loved her so much. And we didn't know how much we loved her until she died. And that was such a devastating time for our little family. It was the first significant loss that our three kids ever experienced. And, I mean, we wept like babies. I I would have not predicted that. But it was such a grieving time of grief and a time of pain. But I don't expect to see Molly in heaven. Um, God gave her to enjoy. But that's not to say there wouldn't be other animals to enjoy in the millennial period or that God wouldn't continue in his creative process like he did in Genesis uh, to continue to allow us to have different types of pets or animals in the millennial period and in the eternal realm. Yeah. But And here's the thing to consider. And and I th- it's hard for us to grasp this now because yeah. um, we are highly emotional um, in loss and grief. And, and I'm sorry for the pain you guys are feeling because it's real pain. And I think that what we fail to realize, though, as we consider these questions, we fail to realize sometimes that the eternal state is going to be very different than now. And our priorities, you know, it, it's going to, first of all, it's going to be a life without sin. Uh, and a life without sin where we can enjoy Jesus unhindered, like he will be the center stage. And and God even was telling us that in our, like you think about you and your wife, as much as you loved your dog and enjoyed your dog and what a place it played uh, in your marriage and in your family, I'm going to guess, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to guess that you're much closer to your wife than you were to your dog. Because I was closer to my wife till the dog came. <laughs> and okay. then I got really close to the okay, dog. Okay, erase that from the tape. Know, e- erase that from the tape. Um, <laughs> no, I, I because that the highest priority of in in those relationship hierarchy is that <clears throat> you and your wife are one. And the interesting thing of why I use that as an example is that Jesus says that marriage is an eternal. And that while you and your wife saved will be in eternity, your marriage relationship will not be in eternity. So in the closest human relationship that God has given to us in eternity, it will be different and it won't be the same. So we have to shift our thinking when we think about what's going to happen in the future uh, apart from sin. And I think we something similar. Now, like you said in your research, and I know some I know a few um, authors that I look up to. They say that it's entirely possible that animal that pets can be in there, and I don't see a prohibition against it. I mean, I don't see like any scripture says absolutely not. I just try to look at the evidence 
But if they are Absolutely. and we're surprised, I say, fantastic, I'll be happy. And yeah. if they're not, I'll be in the presence of the Lord, I'll be happy. So either way, we're going to be filled with joy in the presence of God. Good stuff, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. From New Jersey now to Boise, Idaho. Karen, welcome to the program. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I just found you on the radio. We just moved to Boise, and oh. I just wanted to ask for prayer. Mostly, okay. I don't really know what to do about the um, broken relationship, not only with my sister, who hasn't talked to me in over about two years, but also my daughter as well. And I just feel a sense of like it's me, something I'm doing, even though I have reached out and I've tried to apologize um, and I've prayed for it, but I get these overwhelming sense of depression Mm. creeping in, like you know, maybe it's me, even yeah. though it, you know, it takes two people it does. to tango. Yeah. yeah. But I just don't know what to do with that, you know? You know, some of these, some of the most, uh, some of the most difficult pain that's ever experienced in our human life is in these family relationships. Um, it's the play, it, it can often be the source of the greatest love. And it can also also often be the source of the greatest pain. And, you know, in that vulnerability of your pain, it, it would be very easy for you uh, to look at the situation and say, um, you know, it's all my fault. And and we know, I can say, I'm not, I don't know anything about your family's situation, but I can guarantee you it's not all your fault. Uh, you know, it may be some of your fault, like all of us, that's always... You know, there's always a sense where um, we would uh, take responsibility for our um, our actions, um, but it's not all your fault. And I think it's important that you continue to live your life praying and asking God to help you navigate your life so that when the relationship is reconciled, um, you'll be the right kind of person to be in that relationship. And remember, you don't control other people's behaviors. Even if they blame you for them, I've, I've, I've always been, um, you know, we live in a in a society where victimization has become idolatry, and people walk around as victims and then blame everyone, and that becomes an idol in their life, instead of taking full responsibility for their behaviors and actions and working to make things right. And so, in this new season in Boise and a new opportunity of life, uh, the Lord wants to give you a refreshing uh, encouragement from His presence. And, and help you to grow in in his grace. And so yeah. um, I'm, I, I have some resources if you want to email me um, on forgiveness and reconciliation that you can I could put in your hands. And if you email me, I can send you a whole bunch of links that will help you download some PDF files on forgiveness, reconciliation, you know, because there's a confusion um, that is had in these hard situations where, you know, forgiveness sometimes uh, is equal, is equal in in people's minds, and maybe even in your mind, where you think, <clears throat> "Why well, I've forgiven," and so that equals the relationship's going to be restored. But relationships can't be restored unless there's repentance from the bad behavior. Like you, you can't have a relation. Like 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 if if the situation was just this, you know, the, those that you're estranged from, they punch you in the face, 
and then they say, oh, I'm so sorry for punching you in the face. And you go, oh, I forgive you. And you hug. And as soon as you let go of the hug, they punch you again. And then you, and I mean, this is all in the same moment. And they you go, what are you doing? So, oh, I'm so sorry. I punched you in the face. Please forgive me. Okay, I forgive you. And you hug again and you let go. And wouldn't you know it, they punch you again. That's not reconciliation. They haven't changed. So it's probably wise not to get close to them because there's a good chance they're going to punch you in the face again. If they really want a, a relationship with you, they need to stop punching you in the face. And, and the problem is that they blame me for things I've done to hurt them. And I have apologized. I've been very uh, genuine in my past mistakes. Um, one's a lifestyle that I used to live, and I've repented yes. of that to them. And, I, you know, you can't change but you, what you did, but you can change who you are now. Right. And they still hold on to that. And also, even though I'm the one that did the, uh, I guess, in their view of the fraction on them, uh, and I've repented, they don't want to forgive, and I can't force them, but I'm, you know, I'm still struggling with, you know, what do I do when somebody doesn't want to forgive? You know? It's it's hard, and the, the hard part, and a very simple answer to that is, you move on with your life. Right. And, I, and I've done pretty well, but, you know, moments of silence or alone of in the day, it overwhelms me. Yeah, it's super painful. It, it is. These things are super painful, and moving forward in life doesn't really alleviate that pain all that much, but I can say it doesn't make it worse. And that's very helpful, right? Because we could really make yeah. it worse. We could go back to the bottle. We could start doing drugs again. We can, we can turn our back on God. I mean, we can make it worse. But to make it to make it better or to maintain a life that honors God in the midst of pain is that we just apply what the Bible says. The Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And so you just... Take this extra time to love people, to serve people, to love God, and pray that God would open a door for change to take place with those um, that are having a hard time forgiving you. Um, well, you hit the nail on the head. I think God wants me to know to turn to Him, not anything else, to fulfill that, you know, that emptiness that I might be feeling because God is enough and. We tend to want to replace it with other things that we can touch and see and feel. Amen. But God is enough. And so I'm trying, you know, and it's so hard when you don't have something you can touch and, see, you know, feel and hold like your daughter or your sister. But know. Um, those are family, you know. I, know. So I do. Unfortunately, I know um, all too well. And... I think the older we get and the longer we live, uh, the more these interpersonal pains will take place. And, and you know, we just don't have any control over how people behave. So I'm not going to let someone's behavior control me. I'm just not that they have no control over me. My life belongs to the Lord. And they can do what they want to do. They can sin the way they want to sin. They can do really evil, wicked things. But I'm going to live my life for the Lord, period. I'm not wasting my life. Yeah. And I think that's where Satan may be creeping in 
um, and trying to keep me from doing just that, you know, following the Lord. And he will add all these things. Yes, he will. You know. Yeah. So yes, he I, will. That's great advice. I guess I just needed to get a little encouragement. You yes. know, I've got friends where we lived in Santa Fe that have lifted me up in prayer, but it's that's a good. new place and I'm yes. trying to get plugged in, but you good. know, it's hard. Yeah. So. Do you have any churches? Are you in a church in Boise yet? Actually, there's the problem we have here is there's so many good churches. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Unlike mm. Santa Fe, we went we left a really good church in Santa Fe, New Mexico. There is, uh-huh. you know, there are some good ones there, but here we've narrowed it down to two, and okay. we're about ready to join. I actually have prayed God would just help us, you know, make good. that decision and well, we can a- get plugged in. Yeah. I have a lot of good friends in Boise. Of course, the station that you're listening to right now is owned by the Calvary Chapel in Meridian. Uh, and oh. there's uh, okay. there's a Calvary Chapel in Meridian, so they're, they're the ones that you're listening to this station. And then there's, um, I have a friend in Eagle, Calvary Chapel in Eagle. Of course, there's a large Calvary Chapel in Boise. Um, and then my friend just moved from Tucson, and he's pastoring, he's planting a church. It's just starting um, there's actually two of my friends are just starting churches, but this one is in, um, they're meeting at, uh, Devonshire community park VBS and they're meeting oh. in the Overland park cinemas. Um, and he just calls it Boise church. So if, okay. if the one you guys are looking at, you know, if, if you feel like the Lord is leading you, these guys, I can, I know personally, like they are my friends and I know that you guys wow. would be well cared for. Uh, in those churches. Well, ironically, yesterday I met with the Moms in Prayer group here. I've gotten plugged in that way. Good. And I just prayed that God would just help us, you know, make a decision. And three times yesterday, Calvary came up, and that's where I found your radio station. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> and then good. I drove, yeah, and then I drove by Calvary Church in Boise okay. here, real yes. close to where we live. But um, I can look up the other Calvaries in um, Meridian and in Eagle. They're not too far. So Yes. Um, well, let me pray yeah. for you. And um, I know the Lord's taking you to a new season, new time. It's all fresh. And, you know, there is a sense of spiritual warfare being in a new place, new surroundings, kind of feeling vulnerable. But God's taking you from glory to glory and strength to strength so that you might be more useful and usable in his hands. Amen. I hope so. I pray so. Yes. Father, I pray for my sister, um, all that she talked about. And I, I know, God, that uh, people listening, they're, they're in, the, in similar situations, family challenges, difficulties, just sin and the, the behavior of sin, the consequences of sin, the principle of sin. It just wrecks us, but not wrecks us to the place of of disaster, God. It, it puts us in a place of dependence, of crying out to you. Your word says that what's valuable to you is a broken and a contrite spirit. And these trials, they press us so that we might depend upon you and cry out to you and, and find our strength in you and our weakness. And so I just pray, God, that you uh, would encourage my sister as uh, she adapts and adjusts to Boise and that you bless Karen and all the new relationships you have waiting for her, that you might not only use her, but also use others to bless her. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. 
All right. If you want that info, you can email me, um, and I'll, yes. I, I answer my email, no problem. Okay, I will. Thank you. I will shoot you an email in about an hour. Sounds good. Okay, All right. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. Bye bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. I mean, that last call, like it, it encapsulates so many of our lives, doesn't it? I mean, very few of us have gone through unscathed by family situations. Um, but also very few of us have also gone through life without the faithfulness of God, like just watching him act and work uh, in the the sense of um, how good he is and how faithful he is. So uh, let's go to, um, we were talking about Santa Fe, so let's go to Clovis, New Mexico. Logan, welcome to the program. Hello. Hello. Um, my question was about prayer. Like, I know we're supposed to pray for God's will, but how do you know when you... I guess I struggle with, like, praying and, like, like knowing what to pray for and, like, if it's sure. the right kind of prayer or if I'm doing it right. Of course. That's not unusual. Um, you're not alone in feeling that. I think there is a, there's a couple reasons I think we feel that way. You know, one is considering who we're talking to. We're just kind of intimidated by God and unsure exactly what he wants from us or how he wants us to talk. I think another reason is that we think too much of ourselves, like we've got this insecurity about us and, and we're just worried we're going to make a mistake or stumble and um, and I think that any prayer that you pray, Logan, God is well pleased with. Because if you think of prayer, prayer is simply another word for conversation with God. And there's different ways you can pray. Uh, for example, one right way to pray is just to pray and adore God and to appreciate Him. Um, you can never make a mistake when in your prayers you say, God, I'm so... Um, I'm, I'm so enjoying your sovereignty it makes me i'm so appreciate your um care and concern for my life you know you're you're awesome i saw a rainbow today god and it just reminded me of your faithfulness you know you if you you just come to god and start talking about who he is and how he blesses you that's that you'll never pray wrong that way secondly when you confess your sins you'll never be wrong like that's always the right thing to do to come to God in your prayer and after you adore him and worship him, you confess your sins and saying, God, I mean, I was just reminded today that, you know, I said this thing or I had this bad thought or God, would you forgive me again? Would you refresh that forgiveness? And, and when you confess sins, you never make a mistake. When you thirdly pray thanksgiving, when you come to God thankful, you never make a mistake. When you thank God for his blessings, you thank God for his presence, you thank God for who he is, um, you never. And then when you pray for others, you never make a mistake. God, would you help so-and-so? And would you? And, and so those four things, um, you can remember those four things by just remembering the word Acts, like the book of Acts, A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication when you're praying for people. And I think if you focused right now, Logan, like the next two weeks, let's just say this, the next two weeks, focus your prayers on those four things and then call me back and let's have another conversation 
And I have a feeling you're going to feel a lot better about your prayer life than you do right now. We talked before. I'm the one that called about the struggling with if I'm in the right job or not. Yes. About two or three weeks ago. So. And you, you know I'm what a- God's... You know what God's doing with you, Logan? I can tell you, as you've called a few times, what God's doing with you and what I sense he's doing with you is you are learning to trust him more. And and it's scary. It's scary because you don't quite know. Like, I don't either. Like, so it's not but just scary for you. Like, yeah, it's not, he's always <laughs> been like it's not just me and helping me through all the junk yeah. that I go, that I do to myself and yes. others and 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 I do think you and and you can correct me, um, and I, I'd be totally open to you correcting me. But I, I I almost get a sense. I mean, not almost. I do get a sense that you have a tendency to beat yourself up. Oh yeah, for everything and, I've done wrong, and I know the enemy always wants to pile that on. Yes, you. yes, he does. And and so when you live in condemnation all the time, then you always blame yourself for everything when you're doing just fine. Um, you're, you're seeking God. He loves you. He appreciates your worship. I mean, he enjoys your worship. You're, you're doing just fine and you're going to make mistakes along the way. We're all going to make them. But the Bible says, though a man falls seven times, he'll rise again. And that's the work he's doing in your life. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. So remember them. A C T S adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication and you just pray those four things for the next two weeks and i i am super confident you're going to feel different about prayer i mean i know we're supposed to and does the jesus helps us out with our prayers that we can't really yes he does correct okay yes he does the bible says that the holy spirit the Holy Spirit will help us when we don't have words to utter, like we don't even know what to say, that the Holy Spirit's going to help us even with words that, that we don't even know. Like we, He may even give you the gift of tongues. You can start praying to God in the Spirit. I mean, man, you got such a great uh, open door of deeper relationship with God ahead for you. You're on just the right path, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'll give God you bless a you. in a couple weeks. All right. I look forward to it. Bless you, man. Thank Bye-bye. All right, let's see what we got here. We're almost at the end of the show. And that just about does it for us today. Um, Had an extra day uh, this week filling in for Pastor Jeff Figgs, my good friend, uh, because we all here in Colorado lost a pastor friend and his wife this week. They died tragically in a car accident. Uh, Pastor Scott Cox and his wife Nancy uh, they pastor at Calvary Chapel in Windsor, Colorado, and uh, it's just been a devastating blow for you know the the little Calvary Chapel family uh, here in Colorado. And of course, you guys are our family, even though you're in another state in another church. You're part of the family because you're a part of this show and a part of of us. And you pray for us, and so thank you. Uh, please pray for their sons, Alex and Charlie, who were left behind uh, back in 2016. Uh, they lost their son, Christian, tragically then as well, and just been walking alongside of them and ministering to them, and it's just a, it's a tragedy. And I um, I just, um, I know we're not the only, whenever I mention a tragedy, everyone's like, yeah, I'm going through it too, and, and it's just something that we all share. 
believers and unbelievers alike. And uh, while I'm very sorry for the pain that you're experiencing, the difficulty that you're in, I can at the same time, on based on the authority of God's Word and personal experience, I can say to you that God is going to use this in your life, that you're going to grow in maturity, that you are going to be a better person through this, that it's going to get better. You're not going to be in the deep, dark pit um, forever. God is a comforter. He does comfort. He is a helper. He is someone that loves you and is completely in Christ for you and not against you. The Bible says that if God be for us, who can be against us? And remember that. Remember God is with you. Remember that he loves you. Remember that he is for you. We're going to be in the Word this weekend at Calvary. You can join us here physically or uh, online, calvaryco.church. I'd encourage you to download the app. That's the best way to do it. Download the app. Put my name in your app store, Ed Taylor. Our app will pop up. It will um, turn on notifications. We will stay in touch, believe me. And on top of that, go to my website, edtaylor.org. I answered the, asked the question, is drinking alcohol a sin? You should read it. Everybody, a lot of people are asking that question, and I give you an answer for it. God bless you guys. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to serve you. Grow in grace, and let's go hard after Jesus and his love for us. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.